Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from the head of Miami's top hardware incubation space on the benefits of makerspaces to product startups. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Tom Popo to the show. Tom is the founder and head of Moonlighter Fab Lab Miami, which Mako Design just partnered with on a new 8,000 square foot hardware makerspace right downtown Miami Beach. Tom has a master's degree in architecture and has been running makerspaces for many years. Today, Tom is going to share some valuable knowledge for inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on what a makerspace is, what makes one great, and how hardware startups can benefit from them in many ways beyond just space and machinery. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to. It's good to see you a couple of weeks ago and see the new amazing facility, the Moonlighter facility, downtown Miami Beach, 8,000 square feet. Obviously, you and I have been working together for quite a while, getting this thing up and running. I know you put a ton of work into it to get phenomenal hardware maker space right in the core of Miami. So it's uh, it's exciting to see and it's great to see you in person again. Yeah, definitely glad to see you in person and really to, you know, see the last hurdles of, you know, getting the space open and getting all the community back together again after a nice hiatus from COVID. Yeah, it's fun to see some of our stuff in there. I haven't seen some of that in a while from the lack of flying, but it's good to see our uh, Maco presence in Miami uh, coming back alive again after uh, really being kind of in a hiatus over the COVID periods, at least the in-office portion of it. So it's uh, great to see. And of course, the new space is going to be phenomenal. Tom, just give us everybody a bit of a background. How did you get to the point where now you're the head of this incredible hardware incubation facility that's you know well-known all the way across the state and beyond? It all started as an idea, as all good things do. Really, it was near the end of uh, my master's degree in architecture where I realized, wow, okay, after I graduate, I'm not going to have access to the fab lab here at the university. So where am I going to make my things? Where am I going to prototype things? It was about that time that my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and now co-founder as well of this organization, we took a trip to Europe and we saw some of the first makerspaces in Europe and just fell in love with the concept, how democratic it was for as a public space that welcomed people to create anything that they can imagine, right? And so we started deep diving and visiting all these different makerspaces in the Northeast and California and just doing all this research and thinking, well, I think we can open one up in, in our hometown. And very naively, very quickly jumped into, you know, this crazy, messy world of working with machines and digital fabrication and learning all this new design software. So we opened our first location in Wynwood and have been doing that for about five, six years. And during the COVID pandemic, we were actually in the process of building out this new space that you had mentioned in Miami Beach, which was a partnership, indirect partnership with the city of Miami Beach. So they came over to the Wynwood space and said, we love everything that we see, but we want to see it bigger. And we want it to be in, in our city. <laughs> we worked uh, directly with the commissioners there to pitch the idea of you know, this nonprofit space that would provide not only the community, but other organizations within the city access to all this range of tools. 
We're very excited and we're happy to be a part of it. We had moved out of our 2000 square foot space also in Wynwood, And this looks like such a great place for us to join forces and do this. And it's uh, as well, like it takes up a city block, which is incredible, yeah. right? Right on ground level, floor to ceiling, glass windows and the whole bit. So it's really exciting for a makerspace because a lot of the time I've visited many that are kind of stuffed in a basement or right. part of a garage or whatever else. But this is really something special. It's going to be a pinnacle, I think, for downtown uh, Miami Beach, which is incredible and easy to get to by plane and all the rest. So thanks again, uh, Tom, for all the hard work putting that together. For those of you who aren't familiar with makerspaces, Tom, just give a bit of an explanation about what a hardware makerspace is, and then we'll get into some more details about what makes a space great, and then what it can do for you, the inventors, the innovators, the product startups that can really help elevate what you're doing with your product and your product business. Sure. So makerspaces are essentially a giant shared community workshop. Um, People pay a membership and they have access to not only all the tools that are in the space, but also renting space out to actually have a a little studio where you can actually build and tinker your projects in. And so, you know, more popular in in North America is the co-working idea. You know, you rent out an, an office desk and you'll get access to, you know, a coffee maker and a printer and things like that. But this is the same idea, except you're not just getting that space. You're getting access to 3D printers, to laser cutters, CNC machines, circuitry labs. So basically all the tools uh, that you would need to essentially create your first prototype before moving on to mass scale manufacturing. Amazing. And what makes a space great? Yeah. So a great maker space essentially is broken down into three things. It's the amount of space. Sometimes makerspaces are kind of small because they're a ragtag team of designers and, and producers that put their own money into it and they don't have that much space. But you know, a great space will actually have a lot of space, right? You, you need the, the, the physical square footage to actually assemble and store all of your materials and, and products. First thing you want to see is a place that has, you know, a lot of square footage. And then the second thing would be the tools. Again, makerspace is a huge umbrella term that can mean something that is inside of a school library or a lab, all the way up to, you know, a full, almost manufacturing scale space. So, you got to find the makerspace that has the right tools that you're looking for your idea for your product. So some of them lean towards the woodworking side. Some of them are more on the electronic side. So they call those hacker spaces. But typically a makerspace will have a broad range of tools from analog all the way up to high-powered water jetting. Find the one that makes most sense for you and has the tools that you need to get your ideas out. And then the last thing is really people. I mean, Space and tools are only so valuable, right? You need a a wide range of people in the community who will help push you and mentor you and teach you new things. So that's that's really key piece of of the of the pie there. If you walk into a space that you know only has a specific expertise or a lot of people the same industry, that might get you somewhere. But if you're looking for ideas that think out of the box, uh, a space that has industrial designers, architects, sculptors, artists, you know, uh, graphic designers, all different kinds of creators, that's a, a huge wealth of access to make friends with them and collaborate with them on getting your product and your idea launched. So space, tools, and people. Let's talk about the first two for a little bit. I love that you mentioned that makerspaces are, that's essentially an umbrella term Mm -hmm. because that's one of the misconceptions if somebody's saying, okay, look, I want to get out of my house and I want to do something with my product, especially as a startup inventor. Uh, One of the 
early appeals is, well, just go you know, rent a desk or hot space or get a membership in one of these spaces. But it's important to know which space you're getting involved with because they do have different slants and tilts as to what they cater to, what types of products, what stage they are in the life cycle that really hit home. Yeah, And that's where if you look at the different spaces and you realize, okay, I'm developing a physical hardware product, look for a space that has other similar members. That's probably the easiest way to say, what companies are in there now? Do I feel like I resemble them? Maybe your earlier phase, that's okay. Or maybe you're aspiring to get there. You're seeing a space that has similar things to what you're trying to do, which of course comes around to the people, which to me is the biggest part and kind of the piece of the puzzle for makerspaces that isn't really, uh, the value isn't fully understood until you're actually in one it's so much bigger than you think it is because you are now surrounded by incredible like-minded individuals, service providers, partners, you name it, all within one physical location, let alone all the other things that are connected outside of that actual location to these sorts of things. All that becomes very powerful to helping you build a hardware startup. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it goes beyond just creating your own idea. I mean, lending your ideas to others as well is extremely valuable. And we've noticed some organic relationships that have happened just from, you know, hosting a makeathon or hosting some sort of networking event at the makerspace where someone's pitching an idea and they're talking to, unbeknownst to them, a Fortune 500 company or a multi-billion dollar company. And they say, hey, let's run with that. Let's test that. And so you never know where those networks and those relationships will lead you. We've had a lot of great experience with makerspaces, Moonlighter, obviously in Miami, uh, Circuit Launch out of San Francisco, and now a recent partnership we've got with Launchpad out of Toronto. And it's incredible in these spaces just to see how alive they are with just stuff going on. One day, the mayor's in town and in the actual space. The next day, a TV show is filming there. You know, The next day, you've got some tour with a university group that's coming through, a bunch of students that are trying to learn. Right? Like there is just so much activity, especially as they start to grow and flourish, that as any kind of hardware startup in the space, you can't help but just feel that vibrance. And you know, it's one of many options that you can utilize to both build a product, launch it, and to scale it. Obviously, there's many options and many ways to do it. And I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but it's certainly important to consider your own personality, the product you're trying to develop, and the resources that are available at a space to think about, is a hardware space for me? And at what point should I get involved? So let's talk about the timing issue there, because we have people on the show that just have the initial idea. There are those who are building and developing it, those who have launched, and then those who are scaling and and growing their product business. Where does a makerspace fit into that? Or what things should they be looking for at different life cycles of this product journey? Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about a makerspace is that it actually fits in almost any one of the phases until you're ready to go to market. Because at that point, really, you take your your finalized designs and you go to a manufacturer. But in a lot of the early phases, it's actually really valuable to visit a local makerspace. Let's say you have no idea about how to physically construct your idea. That's okay. A lot of walk-ins that we get into the makerspace are actually these folks who say, I have an idea. And what's next? And so usually we partner with them with someone who's working in a space that has the niche that they're looking to fill. And somebody with an idea who has an access to that kind of space and actually sees the manufacturing processes behind creating that idea, making it physical and making it real, that's really invaluable because understanding how these different machines and manufacturing processes work 
unlocks all sorts of pivots to making that idea a reality. You might have something in your head, but when you see the actual limitations of how machines work, that magic idea of just you know pressing a button and it pops out, you need to have the right expertise, the right knowledge, the right person using the machine and understanding how these machines work. And actually, that process is actually very messy. You know, obviously, it's a little frustrating sometimes. It's like, well, I really want it to come out like this. But the people who persist and continue to test and prototype in the makerspace, talk to others and get you know ideas on how to optimize their ideas, usually the product comes out better because now they're taking into account that manufacturing side that is often forgotten in, in the process of you know just generating that initial idea. And that's a big part, which makes a makerspace very different than a co-working location. You mentioned it earlier, co-working is kind of just you're sharing an office space, whereas a makerspace is a very unique type of space that really revolves around machines. Yeah, And that is a core difference, especially for all of us that are in the hardware space. Machines are necessary to build what we do. So it's really good to understand how do you get through all those points to make the thing, the vision that you have actually work out into be a manufacturably, commercially viable product at the end. Yeah. Which is so critical. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at history, for example, like the Bauhaus movement that led a, a way of thinking about how to create products, you know, you had architects and furniture designers bending tubes in a certain way. And so there, it was just explorations of using a tube bender and testing different angles and seeing what the ergonomics of these curves, finding really efficient and affordable methods of creating these things. Or uh, one of the best known examples is like the Dove soap, that weird shape that Dove soap has. That was actually one of the workshops that the Bauhaus led in carving materials and getting something that's ergonomic and feels good in your hand. And so one of the students of the Bauhaus actually was the person who pioneered that curved bar of soap for Dove. It's really getting a hands-on approach to generating ideas and thinking outside of the box and thinking of each of these tools as like an extension of yourself, your own ideas, how to shape the world around us to create better things. Very well said. You mentioned a couple of things that I think are critically important. We've talked about it on other episodes as well. It's a bit of a sidebar for makerspaces, but prototyping, test, tweak, get feedback, refine, prototype again, repeat the cycle until you really come up with a great product. And it's interesting to hear from you who've seen so many hardware startups come through your doors to see the value of the prototyping phase in particular. Prototyping phase isn't like one thing to get that one product, that thing that you can now take to Kickstarter or Indiegogo or start selling. That is part of the process, but the bigger part of the process is for your design and engineering team, whether it's yourself or an outsourced team like Macro Design, it's for them to figure out what's working and not working. And then for you yeah. to take that to users, you know, be it small groups or large groups or whatever it might be, to try and get feedback, to improve the design, as well as figure out the manufacturability of that design. So much which comes into that prototyping phase and that engineering phase, especially when you get to the DFM design for manufacturing portion, going into actual production itself, it all comes down to testing and refining. And yeah. that is something that is critical. And of course, a makerspace can really help elevate that whole process, both in the feedback loop, but also in the technology you're able to enact and use within the space, the people that are there to help you improve on that feedback loop. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes down to the education portion. So our makerspace in particular has three core circles. We have that co-working option where you know different people are renting out space and, and building their ideas there. We have the fab lab, which is really the heart. It has all the tools and machines. And then that last component is the STEAM Learning Center. You know, we actually have a series of workshops and community events that teach people design thinking, which is really a critical, critical underpinning to you know, the entire process. 
starting with empathy and thinking about the end user, removing your own biases. A lot of people say, I have an idea and it's you know really based on their lens or the way that they see the world, but implementing empathy and understanding how that product will actually be used that goes on to shape a much, much better product at the end. Amazing. And there's so many different pieces of education that are emerging, I think, around hardware makerspaces. I'd like to hear from you, like you're seeing this happening probably across from coast to coast, but it's becoming a larger, I guess, goal of makerspaces, even co-working spaces as well, to bring education is to be a core pillar. You mentioned it's one of your three core pillars to the entire organization. I think that's very good to see because that's, again, another one of those less seen value adds to a facility like this. And I think it's only going to grow considerably in the future as more and more education programming comes in and surrounds itself around these spaces. You're learning at university and college level, but there's also a strong emphasis on real world learning. And that's really where the makerspaces can excel to say, here's how some of the best people in the world are doing XYZ in practicality, not just in theory. Yeah. And I think really the makerspace is almost the purest experience of being, you know, able to explore any one of these many, many industries, right? So, you know, if you're in higher education, once you kind of pick a track, you know, you're you're kind of locked into, you know, that specific field of study. For example, when I, when I was studying and I realized, okay, we're going to eventually open a makerspace, I want to take some business courses. But if I wasn't in the MBA program, I'd be kind of locked out of some of those classes. In a makerspace, you can actually test these things, work with people who are with different backgrounds and, and knowledge, you know, go to these different workshops with experts in the field who are doing those specific techniques. It's all open access. And so that's the exciting thing is really, it's, it's almost the most de- democratic form of, of learning and making and doing that you can find anywhere. Well, Tom, so much appreciated for the words of wisdom today and all the advice on how makerspaces work, how you can utilize them, the benefits and everything else. How can folks learn more about Moonlighter? Well, they can go to moonlighterfablab.org. We're also on YouTube and Instagram and all the social platforms. You can see what all of, our, all of our members are up to and what they're creating. Once the new space is open, they'll be able to visit us at 1661 Pennsylvania Avenue in Miami Beach. Right on. I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, I know our team is looking forward to moving in as well and uh, building some great projects there. As always, I will put all the show links that uh, Tom mentioned there into the show notes. So if anyone wants to click through in any case, thanks again, Tom. Looking forward to chatting to you again. Take care. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com that's m-a-k-o design.com for a free consultation from one of maco designs for design studios from coast to coast thanks for listening and see you next time